Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to The Dark Parts, a show where we explore the darkest parts of history, the world, and your mind. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today, as always, is the lovely Queen of Scream, Daphne. Daphne, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm feeling a little bummed because we are taking next week off of The Dark Parts for Thanksgiving. That episode was supposed to drop on Thanksgiving, so so sorry to everybody, but we will be back the following week. But today we have a really good urban legend for you guys, which my personal favorite when we cover urban legends. Yeah, this one is really creepy and has actually a lot of information, um, which I had never heard of this story before. Isn't there a documentary or a movie on this? Yeah, and we're going to talk about that documentary as well. Um, but yeah, we are taking off next week. We have some family coming into town for the holidays. So we're just going to get all fat and sassy and eat a bunch of food on Thanksgiving. I hope you guys do the same. Absolutely. So, Daphne, I want to ask you a question. Do you know, ask away. Do you know anything about the state of Arkansas? No, I don't. I'm sorry if you're listening from Arkansas. It's just a state I have not visited. I don't know anybody from there. Well, I have never been there either, but today we're going to talk about that state. So, let's go. Arkansas, a state where people eat more catfish than any other state in the U.S. Those toe suckers don't stand a chance. It's also the only place in the U.S. that has an active diamond mine. But who needs diamonds when you have Walmart? And in fact the very first one. Rolling back prices since 1962, baby! But down in the very southwest corner of the state, bordering Texas and Louisiana, is a place known for one of the most terrifying cryptid encounters in the country. So grab your muck boots, a pack of coon dogs, and a rifle as we take a trip down to the small town of Falk in search of a hairy swamp creature in today's episode that we call the Legend of Boggy Creek. Now, before we get into today's swamp story and monster mystery, we figured it would be best to give you kind of a sense of the lay of the land. So our story begins in the small rural town of Falk, located in Miller County, Arkansas, which today has a population of just 818 residents. Falk is located just 15 miles southeast from the relatively larger city of Texarkana and 55 miles north of Shreveport, Louisiana. Originally founded in 1889 by Seventh-day Baptist minister James Franklin Shaw, Falk appeared to be a place where people could live the small-town religious lifestyle without any interference. But being so close to the border of a few different states, moonshiners and outlaws saw Falk as a great advantage because escaping jurisdiction would be particularly easy. The area is surrounded by an abundance of nature, everything from flowing rivers and lakes, dense wooded forests, and swamps or boggy areas a perfect place for a forest monster to call home. So what exactly are we talking about? Well, today's creature is so popular in this area that it has more than one name. Locals and cryptid hunters alike have called it the Swamp Stalker, the Monster of Boggy Creek, and the Falk Monster. The most infamous sighting of this creature occurred in 1971, and we're gonna talk about that encounter here shortly. But what's most interesting is that people of Arkansas and the surrounding states have seen creatures of similar description even before Falk was ever founded. 
Various reports describe the monster as either a giant human covered in hair or an ape-like creature, similar to what you would assume Bigfoot would look like, but with slight variations. The monster is said to stand between 6 feet and as tall as 10 feet, weigh between 200 and 300 pounds, walk upright, and have glowing red eyes that one person described as looking like red-hot coal. Now, the earliest known sighting of this monster dates back to 1834, but it appears that its first mention occurred in 1851 and was reported by the Memphis Inquirer, and that article read, quote, During March last, Mr. Hamilton of Greene County, Arkansas, while out hunting with an acquaintance, observed a drove of cattle in a state of apparent alarm evidently pursued by some dreaded enemy. Halted for the purpose, they soon discovered as the animals fled by them that they were followed by an animal bearing the unmistakable likeness of humanity. He was of gigantic stature, the body being covered with hair and the head with long locks that fairly enveloped his neck and shoulders. The wild man, for we must so call him, after looking at them deliberately for a short time, turned and ran away with great speed, leaping from 12 to 14 feet at a time. This guy's got hops. That's insane. So his footprints measured 13 inches each. This singular creature has long been known traditionally in St. Francis, Green, and Poinsett counties. Arkansas sportsmen and hunters having described him so long as 17 years since. A planter indeed saw him very recently, but withheld his information lest he should not be credited, until the account of Mr. Hamilton and his friend placed the existence of the animal beyond Cavill. A great deal of interest is felt in this matter by the inhabitants of that region, and various conjectures have been ventured in regard to him. The most generally entertained idea appears to be that he was a survivor of the earthquake disaster which desolated the region in 1811. Thrown helpless upon the wilderness by that disaster, it is probable that he grew up in his savage state until he now bears only the outward resemblance of humanity. So well authenticated have now become the accounts of this creature that an expedition is organizing in Memphis by Colonel David C. Cross and Dr. Sullivan to scout for him. So kind of crazy that this is one of the first accounts. And they didn't originally call this monster the Falk monster. They were calling it the wild man of the woods. Well, it's just interesting to me that they think... He survived an earthquake disaster and then just like became a creature. Yeah, from yeah, yeah like, right. They're just like, sorry, like, holy that shit. Click. It's just a wild animal, animal boy who turned into a wild animal man who's hairy and just lives off the land and eats cattle, I guess. It doesn't, no. I'm sorry. That doesn't work. It is fun, though. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun for the story. Good theory, I guess. <laughs> so then the monster was sighted again, but this time in 1856 and reported in the Wisconsin Patriot on May 10th. A party of men from Louisiana had gone into the wilderness on horseback to find the creature and decided that they were going to try and capture the beast. Now one man from this group had gone ahead of his group and decided to try and take the monster on his own. But this turned out to be a pretty bad idea and here's what was reported about the event. So soon as the wild man saw the horse and rider, he rushed frantically toward them 
and in an instant dragged the hunter to the ground and tore him in the most dreadful manner, scratching out one of his eyes and injuring the other so much that his comrades despair of the recovery of his sight and biting large pieces out of his shoulder and various parts of his body. Ugh. It was also reported that the creature had made off on the hunter's horse and then was chased by the rest of this hunting group up into the mountains where they lost track of it. And this is when the news began reporting the creature as the Wild Man of the Woods. Which is also a really scary name and just a creature of its own, just a wild man of the woods. Like that in itself is scary aside from like a swamp monster. Yeah, and I wonder what they originally thought it was. Because so, there's... It's a woodman. I mean, there's many reports that it's kind of ape-like, almost has like a Bigfoot resemblance, mm -hmm. but obviously... Nobody knew what Bigfoot was back then. Right. So, I mean, very similar. It seems like, though, just there's a lot of different creatures that have a lot of similar um, uh, descriptors, you know? Yeah, So it's yeah. kind of interesting how people are like, oh, it's Bigfoot-like, but it's not Bigfoot. So no, it's just like... Are they, like, in the same family? Yeah, they're, they're family members. Yeah. So, now, the very first sightings didn't take place in Falk, but they did occur in the state of Arkansas, as well as Texas, Louisiana, and Missouri. But the first noted encounter that did occur in Falk was reported by a Falk resident named Willie Smith, who said in 1908, his 10-year-old sister Katie had, got a, or had caught a glimpse of the monster while on a fishing trip with her family along the Mercer Bayou, which is just south of Falk. Apparently, while she was playing in the woods, she noticed a hairy man-like animal watching her from behind a bush. That's so scary. But the creature quickly disappeared when it noticed that it was spotted. Then, in October of 1910, so a couple years later, the monster was spotted again in Texarkana, which is, again, about 15 miles north of Falk. The Arkansas Gazette reported a strange beast had been seen near Spring Lake Park. That's what it sounded like. Oh my God, you just fucking scared me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, anyway. <laughs> the article reads, quote, A strange beast which roars like a lion, pretty much what Heath just did, <laughs> is reported to be running at large in the woods north of Spring Lake Park near Texarkana. The animal is said to have killed several pigs on the McAllister Place and several dogs near Newtown. The roars of the strange beast have so frightened the people of that locality that they're afraid to leave their homes after dark and windows and doors are kept securely barred. What a scary time. You know, imagine you're living in the early 1800s and the whole town is afraid early, of a... Early 1900s. Is that not, did I just not say that? Oh, no, you said the 1800s. Oh, shit, I'm in the 1900s. Could you ever do that where, like, you, you're thinking it and then it comes out different and you don't even notice? Absolutely, all the time. I think you do that more often than I do. I do that, like, too much. So, yes, the early 18... Oh, my God, the early 1900s. And you are living in a town and this is something that your entire town is just fear-stricken by. And you're locking your doors and your windows because of a creature in the woods. I mean, it's, it's like some village shit. Oh yeah, it's like hard. It's, it's hard to imagine that something like that would be real. Like 
they're like putting a curfew and they're telling people not to like leave their houses at night because of this strange creature. I make a good movie. You should write that. Absolutely. So obviously these encounters sound a little bit strange, but according to a book titled Boggy Creek Casebook written by Lyle Blackburn, there have been so many witness sightings that it's hard to believe that this monster isn't real. Because as we're going to get into, I mean, there are so many, there are so many encounters. Like too many. So other encounters included 1932, 1943, 1946, 1954, 1955, and so on. But we're going to highlight some of the more notable encounters today. So in 1955, a man named James Crabtree reported that he saw, quote, a large gorilla-like creature near Jonesville, located just five miles south of Falk, sitting along the banks of the Sulphur River. He had been checking his fishing lines that day when he noticed the creature who appeared to be washing his feet in the river. So James tried to slowly approach the monster in his boat, but as soon as James got close, the creature stood up and walked away on two feet. Now, he told reporters and his family that what he saw was not a bear or any other animal that was native to Arkansas, and that it simply couldn't be explained. Then, just a few weeks later, James and his wife were driving down a rural road outside of Falk one night when their headlights shined upon the same creature that James had previously seen. I mean, what are the chances that you see this creature twice in a few weeks? It feels, it feels low. Yeah, it but feels it also low. feels like he's in the area. He's so in the it's area. Possible. He'd be around. So it crossed right in front of their car and again was walking upright and covered in hair. But one of the more known and terrifying accounts of the Falk monster occurred in the spring of 1964. Mary Beth Searcy, who was a teenager at the time and lived in the Jonesville Falk area, had been home one night with her mother, sister, and baby niece doing schoolwork when she saw something very strange. The group had put the baby to bed, but the crisp night air was turning the bedroom into an icebox. So Mary Beth's sister asked her to pin up a blanket over the window to, you know, keep the cold air out. But just as Mary Beth approached the window, she was horrified to see a large hairy creature emerge from the tree line and head towards her backyard. The moon was extremely bright that night, which allowed Mary Beth to see the creature clearly walking on two legs. Could you imagine you just see it? coming out of the woods and walking towards your house. And you live in a rural part of a tiny town and it's also dark and he's just coming out of the fucking woods. And all you've got is a rotary phone. Ugh, scary. So she screamed in terror and awoke her mother who ran to see what was wrong. But by that time, the creature had already left. Seems like he spooks easy, honestly. He's scared by a, a woman's scream. Or maybe he's more like a like a Frankenstein. Or is Frankenstein's monster where he's actually very nice and he's just scared of humans? Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. So there were more sightings of the Falk monster in the months and years to follow, with some people claiming that they had fired shots at the monster and even hit it, but that the creature never flinched as it was completely unaffected by the bullets. That's some... Um, some Michael Myers shit. Yeah, he's just coming back for Earth. more. 
Such was the case for Lynn Crabtree, who had been out hunting squirrels alone just a year after Mary Beth's incident. As the sun was about to set, Lynn took a break to sit under an acorn tree when he heard horses running toward the nearby lake. And he figured that they were just trying to get some relief from the horse flies, maybe. Yeah, and if you've ever been bit by one of those bastards, you'd probably run too because it hurts. Have you? Oh, yeah. Horse flies are brutal. Uh, No, thank you. So Lynn made his way to the lake to see if a dog had gotten hung up on a fence line. But when he was halfway there, the howling turned into a low groaning sound. As soon as Lynn had cleared the tree line and could see the lake in his view, he saw exactly what others had described in the area. A, quote, large hairy man or gorilla-type beast with very long arms, who was standing near the water and appeared to be, according to Lynn, very angry. Lynn, who was just a teenager at the time, explained that the beast's face was covered with hair, with only, quote, a dark brown nose showing flat and close to its face. Now, Lynn fired off a warning shot, but the creature was unfazed and proceeded to walk towards Lynn. He then aimed for the creature's head, which he was positive that he struck, but the creature kept coming. He fired two more rounds that hit the creature, but still, it wasn't affected in any way. As the beast was closing in, Lynn decided that it really wasn't worth losing his life over, so he began to sprint back towards his home. He finally made it back and told his mother and father what he had seen. The monster would be spotted five more times by residents until what I like to call the main event, if you will. But before we get into that story, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Between April 28th and May 2nd of 1971, the Falk monster would terrorize a family who lived in the north end of Falk, just off of Highway 71. That spring, two families had just moved into a small rental home five days prior. Don and Patricia Ford, who had four children, and then their friends Charles and Elizabeth Taylor, who also lived in the home. On the evening of Wednesday, April 28th, 
the families had heard strange noises as if something had been moving around outside their home. They heard what appeared to be footsteps walking along their wooden porch out front. The sounds had frightened them so much that they grabbed the children and fled to a nearby house of a neighbor, completely unaware of what had really been outside their home. Two days later, on Friday, May 1st, Don's younger brother Bobby and a friend of his, Corky Hill, showed up to the house because they planned to spend the weekend fishing at a local creek. When the men arrived to their fishing spot, they noticed what looked like a large footprint pressed into the muddy bank of the creek. It was massive and interestingly only had three toes. And this scared the men so much that they decided to just head back to the house where they thought that they would be safer. But that night, they heard the footsteps again, only this time they locked the doors and remained in the house. Now, the very next night, which was Saturday the 2nd, Bobby Ford got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. But as he entered, he saw the massive hairy creature just outside the window staring back at him. He immediately ran into the living room where Elizabeth Taylor was sitting on the couch. Then... Elizabeth noticed that the curtains from the front window began to move and realized that she had left the window open. Oh, God. That's when she and Bobby saw a hairy, clawed hand begin to reach inside. This is how Elizabeth described it. Quote, At first, I thought it was a bear paw, but it didn't look like that. And it had heavy hair all over it, and it had claws, and I could see its eyes. They looked like coals of fire, real red. It didn't make any noise except you could hear it breathing. So this is another person saying it has red eyes. Yes. So Bobby sat in a chair in the living room holding a butcher's knife. And when the creature began to enter, he grabbed Elizabeth and threw her to the floor in an attempt to protect her. But strangely, the creature never actually attempted to enter the home. Elizabeth then began to scream, which alerted Don and Charles who, after becoming aware of the situation, grabbed flashlights and shotguns and rushed out the front door to the porch. The three men saw, quote, a large hairy animal run towards the backyard, and they estimated that it was about seven feet tall and about three feet wide across the chest. That's wide. Yeah, that's a very large mammal. So the men lost track of the beast, so they went back inside and called the police. Constable Ernest Walraven Walraven. was the first to arrive at 12.35 a.m. who said he searched the woods and and the, the whole property, of course, but he didn't find any signs of an intruder other than these large tracks. He left the group with another shotgun and a high powered flashlight and told them there wasn't much else he could do. So now armed with multiple firearms, Don, Bobby, and Charles stood on the porch keeping guard while the women and children stayed inside the home. But after a few short minutes, the monster had returned to the property and began to, quote, kick in the back door in an attempt to get inside. The men heard the commotion and ran through the house to the back and began to fire off rounds at the creature. 
Don Ford said, quote, We shot again and thought we saw it fall, so Bobby, Charles, and myself started walking to where we saw it fall. As they came upon the area they believed the monster's body would be, the men heard one of the women scream in terror back at the house just yards away. Bobby jumped into action and ran back towards the house to check on them, but as he began to climb the steps of the elevated porch, something from the shadows grabbed him. He said, quote, I was walking the rungs of the ladder to get up on the porch when the thing grabbed me. I felt a hairy arm come over my shoulder and the next thing I knew, we were on the ground. The only thing I could think about was to get out of there. The thing was breathing real hard and his eyes were about the size of a half dollar and real red. I finally broke away and ran around the house and through the front door. I don't know where it went. I also heard that Bobby was reportedly so in shock that he actually ran through the front door. Like, not like opened the door, but he like ran through the motherfucker. Like, he like, bam, like ran through the door. Like a cartoon? Yeah, like a cartoon, literally. I mean, I don't blame him. Like, uh, that is a very scary situation. Yeah, so Bobby was apparently in terrible shock and, quote, out of his head, and he was injured from the attack. Now, the Fords quickly put Bobby in their car and raced to Constable Walraven's house. Patricia Ford said, quote, We did go back to the constable's house when Bobby was in shock. Bobby kept coming to on the way to the hospital. He was screaming and trying to kick out the car windows, so Don would knock him back every time he came to. We had no police escort, we escorted ourselves to St. Michael's. It seemed to us that the thing was after our dog, because every room our dog went into was where the thing tried to get in next. Now, Constable Walraven went back to the Ford's residence and stayed there until about 5am, but the creature never returned that night. When the sun came up that day, Police officials swarmed the Ford's house to conduct an investigation. They found pieces of ripped out metal around the bottom of the house, damage to the window, and large claw marks in the wood of the front porch. They also again discovered large foot tracks around the Ford home, which appeared to have only three toes, like the set of tracks that Don and Bobby had found near the creek the day before. The news station soon caught wind of the horrific incident and made their way to the Ford property, but when they arrived, they found the Fords frantically packing up a U-Haul. Yeah, Smart like move. this was on this was like gonna be on the news. Yeah, they're like, let's get the hell out of here. So they had only been living in the house for five days, like I said, and the initial thought was that the creature who had, you know, attacked the group that night may have been maybe like a wildcat, and some even speculated that it was a wild horse. But everyone in the group that night maintained that the creature was nothing they had ever seen before and also didn't seem like a normal animal. Like, it seemed like a creature. Could you imagine like a like a wild horse just putting its hoof like, through the window? <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? That's actually a hilarious uh, image. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they, so they maintained that it was this hairy beast who ran on two legs, unlike a horse. And although there had been other reports in the area like this for decades, as we said, this event would be the one that would spark a massive bout of media exposure. A journalist named Jim Powell, who wrote the May 3rd, 1971 article in the Texarkana Gazette newspaper about the creature, would be the one to finally coin the name 
the Falk Monster. But the Ford's experience wasn't the last one. Because on May 24th, 1971, a couple named the Woodses, along with a woman named R.H. Sedgrass, were traveling at night on Highway 71 when they too saw a large hairy creature run upright across the road and disappear into the trees. Now, Mrs. Wood told reporters that she thought that they were going to collide with the creature. She said, quote, It was swinging its arms like a giant monkey. It was really moving fast across the highway, faster than a man. The thing didn't even act like it noticed us. It didn't look at the car. Now I know the stories are true. If you want to hear more about the earlier encounters of this creature, please go check out Lyle Blackburn's book, which again is titled Boggy Creek Casebook. But let's talk about how these stories inspired the community to now be known as one of the most documented creature hotspots in the U.S. So just a year after the Ford's incident, a local advertising salesman named Charles B. Pierce convinced a local trucking company to invest $160,000 into a documentary film that he wanted to direct and produce about the Falk monster. Why would he ask a trucking company for this? I don't know. He just wanted to get some sort of investment. Didn't it, have the money to create the film by himself. It just feels like like a trucking company seems like not the place you'd go. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> maybe they were just good friends. I don't know. So this is how the plot is described. Quote, the film claims to be a true story detailing the existence of the Falk monster, a seven foot tall Bigfoot like creature that has reportedly been seen by residents of a small Arkansas community since the 1940s. It's described as being completely covered in reddish brown hair, leaving three toed tracks and having a foul odor. Several locals from the small town of Falk, Arkansas recall their stories, often appearing as themselves, claiming that the creature has killed many large animals over the years. One farmer claims that the beast carried off two of his 100-pound hogs with little effort, leaping a fence with the animals tucked under its arm. In one scene, a kitten is shown as having been scared to death by the creature. The narrator informs the audience that while people have shot at the creature in the past, it has always managed to escape. In another sequence, hunters attempt to pursue the creature with dogs, but the dogs refuse to give chase. A police constable states that while driving home one night, the creature suddenly ran across the road in front of his car. In a later sequence, cold from the actual newspaper accounts inspiring the film, the creature is shown menacing a family in a remote country house. After being fired upon, the creature attacks, sending one family member to the hospital. The creature was never captured and is said to still stalk the swamps of southern Arkansas to this day. Now, this film was actually meant to be a documentary, but it included dramatizations of events that made it appear just as much of a horror movie. The independent film was released on August 8, 1972, and it became an instant success locally, first appearing in drive-in movie theaters in the state, but eventually was promoted to theatrical release that played all across the country. The people who had experienced the encounters with the Falk monster actually played themselves in the dramatizations on the silver screen. The funny thing is that, like we mentioned, the film had a rather low budget for filming, and they even used local high school students to help with the production. 
But since its release in 1972, the film has made over $25 million. That's good. Yeah, not bad for an independent film. So locals to Falk saw this in one of two ways. Some embraced the attention and the media that flooded into their small town and saw it as an opportunity to potentially make money and market off the creature. And others were angry about what they believed was unnecessary attention that brought in monster hunters and news outlets from all around the country. One of the most notable landmarks that came from the Falk Monster was the Falk Monster Mart. Located at 104 Highway 71 in Falk is the infamous convenience store that features gifts, displays, and information regarding the Falk Monster, and also sells like snacks and beverages as well. The sign out front reads, quote, Monster Mart, Falk, home of the legendary Boggy Creek Monster. And the sign is right underneath of like a giant ape-like creature who's holding both sides of the sign. I mean, to me, that sounds super fun, but I, I understand that maybe that would get really old if you live there and didn't like just a bunch of random people coming to your town, especially if it's such a small area. You just have like hundreds of like cryptid hunters and monster hunters yeah. just like roaming around various properties in your small town. I get why you wouldn't like that. So during the 1970s and just after the Ford incident, reward money was being collected and offered to anyone in Arkansas who could successfully capture the monster the monster and bring it in alive. A man named Raymond Scoggins first offered $200 stating, quote, I believe in the monster. I want to preserve it in a zoo or wherever it belongs. I want to discourage the killing of it. Love that. Then a radio station called KAAY out of Little Rock posted $1,090 towards the reward. And they said, quote, In so much as the creature known as the Falk Monster has proven to be a source of mental anguish for the people of Arkansas, we see it as a public service to the state to do all we can do to alleviate this problem. The reward stated that the monster must be verified by three Falk officials and be in good health at the time of delivery. But that reward continued to go up with more donors and eventually reached $10,000 by 1986. But despite this offer to residents and monster hunters, the creature was never captured or even photographed. But the reports never stopped coming in, with the last sighting that we could find being reported in December of 2019. So that's not that long Scarily ago. Fairly recent. I don't know. This It feels like uh, this Boggy Creek monster or Falk monster is probably an old man now, unless it's just like can live for like 300 years. Maybe he had a son. Who knows? So after the success of the film and the frenzy of the media, the heyday of the monster seemed to die off after the 1970s. Well, at least in the news. But sightings and reports remained just as consistent as they had always been. On November 18, 1984, a local hunter who remained anonymous witnessed the creature chasing a herd of cows down to a swamp. He said, quote, The creature was at least seven feet tall, with long, dark brown hair all over its body. It was standing on two legs, thigh deep in the swamp some distance away. Now when the hunter was spotted by the monster, it walked in the other direction to escape. The man raised his rifle but couldn't get a good enough shot, and that's when the fear really set in. He reported, quote, Moments after it disappeared, terror set in, 
and I began to wonder if there were others nearby. I quickly got back in my vehicle and left. I still haven't gone back, and I probably never will. Why was I going to shoot it? I don't know. But today, I'm glad that I did not. Other sightings occurred in 1985, 86, 87, 1990, and so on. And then, in October of 2000, yet another hunter had come in contact with the monster. A man named Stacy Hudson, who was out bow hunting one morning, just before sunrise, was sitting in his tree stand, waiting to spot a deer. Only what he spotted wasn't a deer at all. In the darkness, Hudson heard footsteps walking up behind him as he sat silently still. He noticed something large and hairy, too large to be a hog, but also too different to be a stray cow. He then felt the creature brush across his leg, and suddenly, a large hand reached up and grabbed at the broad heads of his arrows. He explained that the hand was shiny black, and the fingers were massive. The creature's paws were black as well, just like gorillas. And when the monster grabbed at the razor-sharp arrows, it let out a cry of pain and sounded to Hudson like a bull, but louder. The creature then took off running through the woods, snapping limbs of trees and tearing up everything in its path. Hudson, terrified and shaken from the events, waited until sunlight in the tree stand before leaving the area. I can't even imagine. Why do I always say that? I can't even imagine. You're just, you're trying to get in, you're trying to get in their shoes. I mean, I feel like it would be so scary to be in a tree stand, like, just before sunrise. It's dark, you can't hardly see anything, and then all of a sudden, this hand reaches up and tries to grab your arrows. No, thank you. So now let's fast forward and give you some witness accounts even more recent than the last. So... On November 5th, 2017, a couple named Bruce and Pam Jennings were driving on Interstate Highway 49, which is just south of Falk, when they crossed the Boggy Creek Bridge and noticed a large hairy figure standing by the tree line on the north side of the road. Then a year later, in October of 2018, two women, Lana Jones and Wendy Rathburn, witnessed a creature of the same description while driving on Highway 71. They said it was running on two legs and eventually crossed the highway where it ran down the middle of the road and out of sight. This reportedly took place at 7 p.m., which, you know, by in October... I mean, I guess Seems it depends. Like it, would be it would have been darker. Close or, to dark, yeah. yeah. So you're probably wondering, you know, why we're giving so many examples of witness sightings. But it's because so often when we talk about creatures and cryptids and monsters, we typically see just a few examples of sightings. And although no one has ever captured footage of the Falk monster, which is so surprising, there has been almost too many witness reports to count. So is this a mass hysteria that locals have fed into over the years? Or was there something really lurking in the shadows in Southwest Arkansas for decades? And if so, is it still out there? So strangers, what did we learn today? 
we learned that Bigfoot has a southern cousin who will literally poke your eyes out or steal your hogs to make some tasty swamp bacon. And if you're wise, you'll completely avoid the woods surrounding Falk. But my guess is that you probably won't. And who can blame you? It's just as fun as it is terrifying. We also learned just how much we truly miss drive-in movie theaters, am I right? The overpriced pizza that tasted like cardboard, being absolutely cracked out on sugar and passing out before the second feature, and the steamy windows of some dude getting lucky in the car next to you. Precious memories. And lastly, we learned that zero people in Arkansas have cameras or phones. How the hell do over 100 people witness this monster and not snap a single shot? Come on, people, get out there and take a selfie with that big hairy bastard. We need some proof. Today's horror tip, if you can really call it that, comes to us from the film Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons. And I like the giggles. I fucking love that film. If your family is on a trip to a remote cabin in the woods and you stumble upon a giant bipedal Harry beast. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I don't know I have like, the laughs right now. Okay. No need to worry. Just invite him in for dinner. It's possible that he might not rip your face off. It's possible. <laughs> no one was high in the making of this episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Dark Parts. This is a fun one. I mean, there's still so much that we can talk about. You guys should all go watch that movie that Heath and I have not seen yet. Yeah, The I'm Legend of Boggy Creek. We should watch it tonight. Yeah, absolutely. We're we should. Just, it's actually nighttime right now, so we're going to probably order in tonight because we're lazy today, aren't we? Yeah. And uh, curl up, watch a movie on the couch with our dog, Dewey. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, this whole story of the Falk monster and how much I actually left out from this episode. I could have done like a four-hour episode of this monster. I mean, it's really insane. So please, again, go check out the Boggy Creek Casebook by Lyle Blackburn. That is an incredible source for today's episode. And also, go check out The Legend of Boggy Creek. I'm sure if you like old 1970s creature horror movies like I do, uh, you'll probably appreciate it. And thank you guys just so much for tuning in to today's episode and checking out the dark parts in general. And I'm so sorry that we're not going to be here next week for a Thanksgiving episode. We just decided to give ourselves a week off because we we work like every single day of the week. Yeah, I so, think we record literally every day. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, we just want to take the week off, give our crew the week off. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you the week after. All right, guys, we'll see you next time in the dark parts. Dark parts.